Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Once you've noticed one of these cameras, you'll start to look for them around the city. On the front of that Piedmont police car, that's license plate reader. Do you see that little, in front of the light bar, there's yeah, a small yeah. little rectangle. rectangle. So this guy's going to turn left, you get a better view of it. See? These cameras can capture up to 60 license plates per second. That's a lot of data. A lot of people think it's too much collected too quickly without enough oversight. Now some Bay Area cities are trying to be cautious with who they're sharing information with, especially in sanctuary cities. Tonight, Oakland will be the latest Bay Area city to try to get better control over how surveillance technology is used in the city. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. By and large, city council members, supervisors, judges, other people in various communities are not typically aware of the type of surveillance technology that exists right now. Sarus Farvar is a senior technology reporter with Ars Technica. He also authored a new book coming out this month called Habeas Data, Privacy versus the Rise of Surveillance Tech. I met Sarus at his house in Oakland. How long has this technology existed in the Bay Area that's had the potential to be fed into ICE? This technology has existed for well over a decade. After September 11th, money was flowing from the federal government to fight terrorism. Cities could apply for grants to beef up their surveillance equipment. Only recently are local city councils starting to realize that, that yes, that this can be used as a weapon to go after somebody who might be undocumented. Cities like Berkeley or Oakland or Richmond or San Francisco are starting to realize that for years now, there has been this tool and this database that uh, entities like ICE can have access to. So, so where do we see these technologies in our everyday life? Uh, and how did like these cameras and all this stuff get here? Well, a lot of them got here because of federal grant money. Even if you're a small town like Tiburon, California, where, as far as I know, there have never been any terrorist attacks, and as far as I know, no terrorist suspects have ever been arrested or detained or found or suspected of being in Tiburon, California, nonetheless, uh, communities like that um, have asked for and received federal grant money to buy equipment like license plate readers. T- Tiburon's a super small city, I mean. Tiburon, <laughs> Tiburon, California has exactly two roads that go in and out of the town. There's not going to be a sign that says, this is a license plate reader. I think most people drive past them and they don't even know what they are. They don't know what they're looking for. Can we actually check them out? Yeah, let's do that. Um, you need shoes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
where we're going to go is, I think, down to Grand Avenue, and we're going to check out um, one of the cameras mounted uh, overhead on the border between Oakland and, and Piedmont. We're approaching the intersection of Mandana, Avenue, Mandana Boulevard and Grand Avenue. Should I go right? Uh, no, take a... Oh, sorry, yes, right, that way, yes. So we are, we are going east on Grand Avenue at Mandana, approaching the border with Piedmont. So I don't get a ticket, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for this thing. So we're walking down Grand Avenue in Oakland. We're heading toward the border with uh, the city of Piedmont. And what we're looking out for is the license plate readers that are mounted above Grand Avenue, pointing down at the road. Privacy advocates say Oakland has license plate readers on cop cars, but the city has no stationary cameras, like here in Piedmont, right on the border. On the street where we're standing, Sarus points out four license plate readers. This is right before a police SUV rolls by with one attached to the hood. And you can tell we're still in Oakland because the Oakland tree, the oak tree is still on the street signs. But as we come up here to Wildwood Avenue, uh, there is no oak tree on the street signs. It's just green, which means we're in Piedmont. Um, and so there's a overhead traffic light that's on like a long arm. And I can see two license plate reader cameras. They're very wide. They have almost like a rounded rectangle look and they're capturing license plates of cars as they drive into Piedmont. This week the Piedmont City Council approved the purchase of license plate reading cameras at many of the entrance and exit spots to the city. The 678 There's no way that you would know that that's a license plate reader unless you're a weird surveillance nerd like me. Tell me the story of what happens when your car drives through an area like this. These ones are basically recording that a certain plate was seen at a certain time on a certain day at this particular intersection, the intersection of Wildwood and Grand. Um, so the city of Piedmont retains that information for months on end, maybe years even. They share that data with regional and national uh, law enforcement agencies, federal agencies, um, and they can use it largely for whatever purpose that they see fit. Basically what, what this allows police or it could allow police to do is to show patterns of behavior, right? If you are somebody who, let's say you live in Piedmont or you drive through this intersection a lot, you're commuting to work, you're commuting to school, uh, given enough data, given enough scans, you could easily establish, oh, we know that, uh, you know, Sarus drives through here uh, every Saturday at 10.30 in the morning. And I, I, I assume, I mean, since these technologies do exist in some of the more progressive cities in the Bay Area, that they are useful to law enforcement too. Definitely they're useful to law enforcement. Law enforcement will tell you, you know, we, we use them to, to catch uh, stolen cars. We use them to catch criminal suspects. Now at six, a high-tech tool catching suspected criminals left and right in one Bay Area city. But some wonder if the long arm of the law is reaching too far. Good evening, I'm Brian Hackney. They want to have tools to catch uh, Amber Alerts, uh, catching stolen cars, catching criminal suspects. They certainly serve a purpose. Um, I think the question that all of us need to be asking ourselves is, you know, is that purpose worth the cost of capturing vast amounts of data about all of us? And the vast majority of us are law-abiding, tax-paying, regular citizens who are just going about our everyday business. Um, and different cities disagree as to what the appropriate length of time is for uh, license plate reader data to be kept. Again, some keep it for a few weeks, some a few months, some 
have no limit. So, so the city keeps the data that it captures on these cameras. Mm-hmm. So how then does like the federal government agencies like ICE get their hands on it? Sure. There are these entities around the country known as fusion centers. There's one in San Francisco, and the these fusion centers act as one-stop shops for intelligence and for law enforcement. And this data from Piedmont and Oakland and other cities around the Bay Area feed into that federal entity. And so a lot of cities, without realizing it, are sharing data with federal agencies that potentially could be used for the purposes of deportation. Sarus reached out to some privacy advocates who said they don't know of any cases when ICE has actually used local data being fed into the regional databases to help deport someone. But there's still that concern. The law currently says that we don't have a, quote, reasonable expectation of privacy when we're traveling in public on public roads. Um, So if a police officer was, you know, saw this uh, Chevy truck that is parked next to us and could see uh, the particular license plate that is by definition visible to the public, all license plates are, right? We would probably have no objection to a police officer writing down that license plate on a piece of paper, calling it into their dispatcher and saying, hey, can you run this plate down? I want to know what this what this car is doing here. Um, but I think, you know, for me and a lot of other people, a, a human officer doing that on one or two or a handful of plates is one thing. But having a machine do it forever that can capture at 60 plates per second, retain that data for potentially unlimited amounts of time uh, is very troublesome. We've been focusing on license plate readers, but it's important to remember that there's lots of other types of technology that are in use around the Bay Area. Uh, I'm thinking of body cameras, I'm thinking of drones, I'm thinking of stingrays, also known as cell site simulators, other types of surveillance tools. And a lot of us don't fully understand, um, and these entities often don't have policies that specifically spell out under what circumstances they can be used. And so cities like San Pablo are starting to take a step back and say, well, hang on a second. Uh, You know, we want the police to be able to do their jobs, but we also don't want to infringe people's civil liberties and civil rights. Sarus, thanks for coming out here with me. My pleasure. All right, let's go back. Cool. It's not surprising to know that there is a lot of data being collected every single day. And we're just now beginning to fully see how it can be used against us. We all participate in feeding these databases, whether we want to or not, whether we really know it or not. And in Oakland, the city council will talk tonight about how to get a handle on what data is being collected and how it's being used. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Once a week, KQED's podcast, Queued Up, takes one of our best stories and gets it to you on your phone. The show is curated by host Ryan Levy, who really knows how to pick them. Check out Queued Up, that's Q-E-D Up, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. 
This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.